Thanks, guys. Um, if you could take that up, and Penny, would you please come up the front? Good morning. Um, the reading for today is from 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. That's in the Old Testament. Um, and it's in a time where um, the Israelites are living in the Promised Land. They've been living there for quite some time. And God spoke to his people um, often through prophets. And um, this is when he was speaking to the people of Israel through the prophet Elisha. Um, so it's 2 Kings. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. And the title is Naaman Healed of Leprosy. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram, and he was a great man in the sight of his master, and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go to the king of Aram. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver. And just to put that into perspective, that's 340 kilograms of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold, and that would be 69 kilograms of gold. Quite a lot. Um, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet. Excuse me. There is a prophet in Israel. So... Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. <clears throat> Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call, out, out, call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned, off and, turned and went off in a rage. 
Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet has told you to do some great thing, had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Thanks to God for his word. Amen. Thank you, Penny. That's a pretty incredible story, isn't it? Um, of what, what happened in Israel at that time. So the, these two countries were at war quite often, Aram and, um, and Israel, and a letter came to the king of Israel, which is why he was like, okay, this is pretty weird. I've got this letter. Maybe this is actually testing me to, to have another war with them. Um, and I just find it, Amazing. As if you kept reading on in that chapter, that it talks about how there were many lepers in the land of Israel at that time. So heaps of people had it. But then it says only one, Naaman the Syrian, was healed of his leprosy. Why? Who knows? Maybe no one else really sought that healing or, or anything like that. But he'd acted on the word of God to go down and see the prophet. I was just thinking about this. We've been talking a lot about relationships and um, the things that that we need to maybe do, excuse me, to um, get relationships right in our life or think about how we do things. And I just started to think about it, you know, like how we often make things so complicated in life. Have you ever noticed that? I remember, it's funny, like once doing this test and we sat down and, and the person said, right, oh, we've got a test on today. Um, what I want you to do is you've got 10 minutes to do it. Read through it first. And then at the end, we'll, we'll grade it. So, you know, you sit down and you look through these papers. There's like heaps of pages. There's like all these different questions and they look really complicated. And you're like, 10 minutes to do this test. I don't think that's possible. So we sat down and you just get straight into it. And, um, you know, you read it, write down everything, try and do all the, the sums and the whatever um, essays and things like that. And 10 minutes just was not enough. And you get to the end of it, you're sort of frustrated, there's no one going to pass this test. Anyway, when you, when you went back to look at it, the first question or the first direction on, on, the, uh, on the paper was, make sure you read through the questions first. Read through all of it. And you get down to the last bit on the page and it says, you don't have to do any questions except for write your name on the paper, which is the first thing, <laughs> the instruction. And so... It's like there's this tendency that we have to make things overcomplicated in life. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's like, you know, you read the instructions for something and it looks so difficult, it's depress this button, pull this lever, that, and then someone who knows what they're doing just comes along, I'll just do this, and it's done. And this story, why it jumped out at me was because of how difficult Naaman tried to make it, how difficult he tried to make it for God to actually do something for him. A man with leprosy, a man who needed healing, and yet, as we read through it, I'm just going to go through a few points of, of how God wanted to work, but Naaman was resisting it so much, and it took the wisdom of a servant to actually bring him to his senses. 
And when it comes to relationship issues, in fact, everything of God, it's, a, it's amazing how easy it is. It's like if God says that this is how you should do it, you should just do it. It's actually that simple. Salvation is the same. We, we see people wanting you know, this greater message, this deeper message, this, this more understanding, the more knowledge. All these things are fine to have. But in simplicity, the Bible just says, basically, repent, believe, you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you'll be condemned. That's the simple message of the gospel. But people don't want it to be that easy. They seriously don't. They want to have some way of making it more complicated. Surely it can't be that easy. Surely it can't be that simple that I just give my life to God. Uh, there, There must be something that I need to do, some works I need to do, some deeper things, some greater work that I have to get to. But really God is just saying, just be obedient to my word. Just be obedient. Listen. If I, if I thought about the, the relationship issues that I have ever seen in marriages, including my own, it would be when I'm stubborn, when I don't want to change, when I don't want to do what the Word of God says and it brings trouble. And it's exactly the same. You get two people in a room together and they just don't want to budge. Or they want it to be more complicated than it is. It's just too hard. Maybe you need to forgive someone. It's just too hard. I'm never going to forgive them. It, it can't be possibly never happen unless this happens, that happens, everything lines up, then I can forgive. And it seems so complicated and so hard. But God wants us to understand that our life in Christ is meant to be easy. And I don't mean like everything's, you know, cruising and everything, but in terms of if we just listen to him, things will change. It really is that simple. And, and it's funny because there's been a number of times when I've been praying for people and not even praying for people, actually. I've had people come to me and they're, they're, they're talking to me about Jesus and stuff like that. And, you know, it's great when you get this opportunity. I pray that everyone has this opportunity. But even the act of salvation itself is just really weird. I've got to be honest to you. Like, we're talking about Jesus and it'll come down to this. It's almost like when, when God ordains something, it's like they're... They're almost asking you, can you ask me to become a Christian? It's really weird, but that's almost how it happens. It's like, I remember talking to, to quite a few people where it's like, we got to finish talking and I was just like, oh, so do you want to become a Christian? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, well, what, what do I need to do? Let's pray to become a Christian. And even in your heart, you're like, well, doesn't have to be a little bit more complicated. What's the grieving process about my old life? What's the, the deep repentance I have to go through? What's the, you know, the works that I have to do, the, the good works I have to do, the bad works I have to shun? There must be something that I have to do to earn this salvation, but the gift of salvation is a free gift from God. And we're going to look at that a little bit, bit more as we talk, but it's a free gift. We do absolutely nothing except believe, be baptized, get saved. We follow through with what God says. And it has to be that way as, as we, when we talk about it a little bit later because if, if we have to do the work, we will never actually really truly worship God. Strange. But isn't me doing my hard work, me earning my salvation, how I show my pleasure to God? No, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He's saying, I want you to believe in me, I want you to believe in my word, and I want you to follow through with it. And so the reason that I was speaking about this today is because I was just thinking with relationship stuff, so much of it is easy, but it's complicated because we want it to be. 
We want it to be harder than it really is because we want to make sure that we're doing something to earn it or do something, but it's really giving up our own pride. So if we could just bring up our, our slide, this is the same passage in 2 Kings chapter 5. And first of all, we're looking at Naaman, his heart attitude. So these are things that might stop you receiving from God because you want to make it different to what it is. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman, he became angry and walked away, stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Uh, the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the... Papa, better than any of the rivers of Israel. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned or went away in rage. We'll just stop there with those. You got to understand this. Naaman was actually a really important man. But his importance was going to stop him getting to the miracle that he wanted. He was so puffed up in himself. He was so like, I'm self-sufficient. I'm important. And what really happened in the end is that he had pride in his heart about who he was. And that almost stopped him receiving a miracle this day. And sometimes it's like that with us. It's like we have this, this obsession with being right. We have this obsession with not backing down. We have this obsession with my rights and my, my, my needs are far more important than anything else. I want a change in a relationship. I want a change in life, but I'm so proud I do not want to change my way. I have this feeling that I'm actually above this. How can anyone tell me what to do? I want an answer, but I'm not willing to give up my own pride. Naaman, as he's standing there before Elisha, was so full of this pride, he was saying, you know what, I am so... Worthy of being met, here I am with my, my chariots, my horses, I'm standing before Elijah's house, Elijah's house, and I'm waiting for him to come out to meet me. I'm waiting for him to honour me first. I'm waiting for him to make sure that he knows his place and that I am actually the greater than he is. How often in your life do you find that in your relationships they don't change because you're the greater? You're the one that deserves more glory. You're the one that deserves more honour. You're the one that deserves more respect. You're the one that deserves more help. You're the one that deserves greater understanding. And you stand before the other person and you say, you better come out to me. You know, it's your job to make sure you humble yourself and come out and recognise how wonderful I am. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been that stubborn? <laughs> Have you ever been that foolish? You're saying, I want change. And you think about Naaman, he came down from where he was. What was his need? He had leprosy. He had skin that was white because of leprosy. He had a disease and he was willing to give it all up the healing of that disease because he had pride. How often do we miss out on those things of God because we feel that we deserve more? 
that we are the one that actually needs someone to recognize how great we are. And then he was told to do something so simple. But no, that was beneath his station in life. First of all, he walks away. Because of this simple thing, well, he's offended firstly because he wasn't greeted the way he should be, but then he decided, well, how ridiculous. You've told me to go and wash in this water, and basically what he's saying, there's a lot cleaner rivers where I live, and you're asking me to go and do something that I don't want to do, something that, that where there's actually a little bit of mud, where things aren't clear, where, where I'm not really sure what's in the water, and, and for us, when we're trying to obey God, sometimes that's exactly how it is. We look at the Word of God and it doesn't line up with the way we think and we're like, well, that's just a little bit muddy. If I do things God's way, I'm not really sure what's that, what that's looking like, but I'll tell you what, I can do it in my own way. I know exactly if I'm in control, I can, I can determine the outcome, I can determine what's happening and I can just take full control. And I wonder sometimes if for us, that's what it's like as well. Have you ever been in a situation where you really feel like God's telling you to do something, say something, be something different, and you're just like, but this is the way I've always done it. That's exactly why you're where you are, because it's exactly the way you've always done it, and you're thinking that, that you can somehow fix it now without God. But God is calling you to walk out into water that's sometimes a little bit muddy and not just once, not just twice, and in this story seven times, but this repeatedly going back to him and saying, God, can you help me? I'm not really sure about this. This is different. It's murky. It's not how I usually fix things because I am the fixer. But can I trust in your word, God? Can I do what you ask me to do? Can this be healed, this thing in my life, because I actually throw myself on you and your mercy? It's amazing that there was a servant that was willing to speak up. And the words are so true, aren't they? There's an expectation that he had that, that God would... God would work through this prophet by just waving his hands, doing something amazing, but there was something he had to do to change, but it wasn't complicated. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself in seven times as a man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. I just want to put to you that sometimes we aren't saved because we just want to make it so complicated from whatever it is. Even in prayer, when we're asking for a miracle, we, we, we sometimes think that we have to fast longer, we have to pray louder, we have to use different language, Maybe we have to change something in our life so God can move and God's saying, you know what, trust in me. Have faith in me. 
We find it complicated when we're looking for what does God want me to do? What's my calling? What's my gifting? And yet God said, I just made you who you are. Be yourself. I was thinking about this in terms of gifts when, when you're thinking about Christmas and everything's wrapped up, but once you unwrap it and you see it, you know what it is. You, don't, you go, what's my gift? The, the wrapping's off it now. I can see what it is. I can see that you've got me a new blower or whatever it might be. <laughs> I can see it. I know what it is. And I don't walk around going anymore, what's my gift? What's my calling? What's my gift? Looking for, what did you get me? Because I can see it right there. And so often, right before our very eyes is who God made us. Actually, all the time. (laughs) We sometimes make that even complicated. Oh, Lord, I need to know your will, your gift. What is it? What is it? And God says, just seek me. Just follow me. Just come and spend time with me. and, And you'll know what it is because guess what? If I spend time with someone, what do I do? I talk, we get to know each other, and we reveal things to each other. But we want to make it complicated. We need to do 10 tests. We need to go and then find a prophet that can tell us what we are. We need to then go and confirm that with another prophet, and we need to get a word from someone else. And then we need someone to pray for us about that, that we could seek God. And 16 years later, we're like going, God, what, what have you gifted me with? And in the meantime, you just love baking and you love having people over your home, but you don't do it because you're so busy trying to work out what God's gift is. You're gifted in just talking about Jesus to people, but you don't do it because you're trying to find your gift. You're gifted in in whatever it might be that that God's made you, created you, that that he's shown to everyone else this is what you're like. Why don't you just do it and have fun? Why don't you just live out who you are in Christ, just spend time with him, just get to know him, and guess what happens? It just happens. (laughs) It's not complicated. It's not like we have to try and find out, God, do I have worth, which is a question that we're really asking. Do I have worth? Don't you think that's the question? Because sometimes we're trying to fill this need of worth by by trying to find it through other things, and it could be through relationships. It could be through money. It could be through my standing in the church. It could be through this gift that God has given me. When I find that, I'll actually have a true worth. I can't be happy until I've found it. But God says, I created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have these so many thoughts about you that they outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore and they're good thoughts. And yet we're trying to find the satisfaction in everything else, but the answer is simple. It's in him and him alone. He is the only one who can satisfy finding him and this simplicity of faith is so important for us like because i i made a statement before that we cannot truly worship god if we're trying to get to him by works what do you mean let me put this to you even if all if you do all you can do to be worthy before god If you think I have to get my life right before I can have him in my life, if I actually do it, the greatest worthiness that I find will still be unworthy.
It will be unworthy because you know what? Even if I'm perfect from today on, my past isn't perfect and I can't take care of that past. And when we try to use our best wisdom to solve things, and we, which is what Naaman was trying to do, it's, no, nah, that doesn't make sense to me. This is how God looks and I'm going to put him in the box. If we use our best wisdom, it's still God's foolishness. Salvation brings us change in our nature, which nothing else can do because it's that nature change that helps us be obedient to Christ. Your best works, the very best works that you do are still sin. They're imperfect. There's something corrupt about them. Your righteousness, your very righteousness and right standing about how good you are is still unrighteous before God, who is perfect and holy. And your supposed obedience is existentially disobedience because it doesn't rely on God's grace. And I want you to be free this morning People will sometimes say you can't preach grace. It leads to to sinful behaviour because people just think they can do whatever they want. The thing is people do whatever they want anyway. But true grace understands this. It's not just a pardon from sin, but this entry into a new life with Christ, which we cannot obtain ourselves, and so it drives us towards living for him so much more purely and better. Why is that? I am never going to be grateful to a saviour if I have saved myself. If I think that my works are what got me there, if I think that I can attach that to the work of the cross, the grace and forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ, I will never worship him truly because I've never relied on him for anything. I'm still relying on myself to do the right things, to live the right way, to live in obedience and do the best that I can and then I will be saved when God says no. You are saved entirely because I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, to take a bullet for you, so to speak, that you might live forever, that his righteousness would be given to you, that, that his life would be imparted to you, that, that the hope of eternity that, that he had of spending life with the Father becomes yours and you become a joint heir. You are one who shares in the promises of Christ. Not because of anything you've done, And the thing is, if you think that it's your obedience and the way you live and everything like that 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 gets you into God's good books, as I said before, your righteousness is like filthy rags to him. And so when I worship God, I'm never worshipping him of a pure heart because I'm always relying on myself in some way for my own salvation. And surely it has to be that complicated, doesn't it? But when I fully understand the gravity of the cross, the absolute amazing work of the cross, the fact that I can actually do nothing to earn my salvation, I cannot help but be grateful for the amazing thing that God's done, can I? My heart cannot help but melt before him 
and say, I get it. I could do nothing but believe in you. Nothing else ever worked. And when you get yourself to that stage, when you go, I know there's nothing I can do, the heart that you have, like I said, will melt and be moulded by his love. The Bible talks about a person who's forgiven much will love much. And the truth is that each one of us has been forgiven everything. But we can honestly think that sometimes there's an unforgivable sin. That one sin in our life, that one thing in our life that God just could not forgive. Whatever it might be, but it's like we look at the cross and we say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for everybody's sins, for the sins of the whole world. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you know you died for my sin, and every one of them except for this one, this one thing in my life that you cannot forgive. The power of the cross wasn't enough for that. I'm going to have to somehow work out how to deal with that, fix it up, do something with it, and, and, and my power will somehow get this right. It just can't. Because the Word of God says that Jesus Christ died to cleanse you from all sin. Not all sin except for that one thing. And sometimes we're just like Naaman and we're like, Jesus says, just come and give it to me. And we're like, can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. And when it comes to our relational issues that we have in life, and I know this is true, I've seen it borne out in my life with Joe, I've seen it borne out in other couples' lives, and, and I'll even say it when I'm talking in pre-marriage and stuff like that, it's just simple as this. Hey guys, if you want to do to have a great marriage, read the Bible, do what it says. can't be that simple. But it's sort of not. Because when we read the Bible, we have to be open to change. And so as we're starting to talk through relationship stuff in the, in the coming weeks, they'll be, they'll be interspersed between things. There'll be things that you hear. And you're going to be just like Naaman. You're going to be offended. You're going to say, well, that's not fair because of the other person. They should actually recognize that I deserve a little bit more respect. We've got this problem and I want it fixed, but I'm not willing to actually admit anything on my behalf. I'm going to stay stuck in my pride. Thank you very much. And I'm going to hope for a happy life, but it won't happen. How do you think it is in your marriage when you fight? Do you think it's Often the issue, or is it your own personal feelings, your own personal hurts that get in the way of solving the issue? You don't want to talk about it because I'm offended. I'm right, you're wrong. You see, the, the beauty of the Word of God is when you actually just submit yourself to it, it changes your life forever. 
And the biggest struggle that I think Christians have is that they don't just surrender to what God says. Because honestly, it's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful life when you walk in obedience to Him. Christianity is the best life because you're living with God and while He saves us for heaven, He's saving us now. And there's all these things in our life that when we submit them to Him, it begins to turn around and the ugly is made beautiful. The riotous is given peace. The hopeless is given hope. The lonely is given feeling and meaning in life. The ones that have been destroyed are rebuilt with purpose and power from the Holy Spirit. But so often, so often we're just like Naaman. We're looking for this big answer, this complicated issue. Maybe if I just go deeper into God's Word, maybe if I understand everything that's in the Bible, maybe if I give up everything, give up all my money, then God will move. God just says simply this, Believe, trust, follow. That's it. And so I want you to just think about those things as you're going throughout your week because there's times when you're just like, I don't know. You'll know exactly when those times are, though, where you're just not willing to surrender to Christ. Or there's other times where you think you've got to do stuff for God to do something in your life, but you don't. You've got to just surrender your will to his and say, God, you are my God. Without you, I have nothing. So what I want to do is just get these music guys up and we're going to sing again. And while we're worshipping in song today, I just want you to have a little think about those things that I've said in your life today. Do you think that you're holding on to a sin that God can't forgive you of. Such a lie of the devil. Are you feeling that you deserve more and you've got it all worked out about how it should work and you haven't surrendered it to God? I just want you to surrender it to him today. Let go of your wisdom. Let go of your control of your life. You're not that good. (laughs) And just learn to trust in Him. And that's what I want you to do this morning as you worship, just that surrender. Honestly, when you understand that everything is forgiven, it doesn't lead to worse living. It leads to a reliance on Him and a trust that without Him, you're nothing. But because of Him, we really do have everything. It's wrapped up in Him. And perhaps today you've never actually given your life to Jesus. You've never asked God into your life. You just felt that maybe you're just not good enough for Him. Good news is this, that no one is good enough. That's why I had to send Jesus you might be thinking, yeah, but I've got to get my life right before I become a Christian. That's ridiculous. Never happen. 
what you do is you come to him and your life becomes right because of his power working in you. So I just want to offer opportunity to pray with me. I'm just going to pray. and You can just pray with me and ask him into your life today because he died for your sin. He died to set you free. Life begins when you let him in. Change begins when you invite him into your life. So if that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray and you can just pray with me and just invite him in. Talk to your friend that you've come with or if you're not with a friend, come and see me afterwards. I'll just be here for a little while. Or fill out a green card that's got, I made a commitment to Jesus today. And by the way, if there's other things in your life that you're already a Christian, but you're right, today you just felt like, I'm going to make a commitment to do something. You can tick that box and say, can you please give me a call? I just want some prayer to help me with this or whatever it might be. Just put it in that bucket near the door. Let's pray. Father, I know I need your forgiveness and I believe it only comes through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to the Father, to you. This morning, I just want to say, come into my life. I believe Jesus died for me, that all my sin could be forgiven, that I might have new life in him. So please come in today. I just want to give you my life and accept that salvation that comes from you and the forgiveness of my sin. Holy Spirit, Come into me now and fill me that I might just live my life for you from this day on in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and just spend some time just really...